Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Fool of a Galatian, who has bewitched you? Circumcise yourself next time and rid us of your stupidity. It's a reading from the Lord of the Rings Gandalf version of the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. I threw that in there completely, uh, gratuitously, in hopes of just simply wanting to be able to read Galatians 3, 1, which is not part of our reading tonight. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is James once again with you on the One Hope Church podcast as we continue our inexorable march through the book of Romans. We are in chapter 9 through 11, and I feel like the chapters 9 through 11 here is the the middle to second half of the uh, climb to the summit of Mount Everest. It's the it's the mile 18 to 22 of the marathon. It's the challenging, difficult section of this book that uh, I think causes us to really struggle sometimes and stumble, as Peter had said. It is the set of chapters that throws out the great P word, predestination, and has uh, been married to that word's uh, spouse election, which is another one of those electrifying words that gets a lot of attention. And uh, Peter, in his message on Sunday, wanted to, I guess, um, maybe reorient our thinking on it to more of a missions approach. So after this week of walking through a lot of readings on the chosen of God and God's uh, sovereignty in in choosing who he wants to have uh, to carry out his mission and God having, you know, the right or, or at least a sovereignty or whatever we want to call it of saying that uh, I will have mercy on who I have mercy and uh, grace upon whom I have grace. Um, and all of the challenging parts of that discussion that well up in us that say, Oh, that seems really unfair. You know, why would God pick some people to love and some people to hate? Um, it just doesn't seem seem fair to us as humans. And I think that that's probably the the underlying fundamental point here to grapple with is it's not fair. But as I think many times we have discussed on these podcasts and in some of our sermon series that Peter has done and... Uh, in other ways, is do we really want it to be fair? I think that that is the question before us. Tonight, I'm going to talk about these verses, actually, from Galatians 7 to 14. I just, like I said, really wanted to read Galatians 1, 3, 1, because I just, I love it. Paul really takes the gloves off here um, and says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, there's really no more like in-your-face sort of declaration of what the heck are you guys doing? You're completely, you're completely missing everything. And um, 
he follows it up with several more verses, which I would encourage you to read uh, from two to six about, um, you know, receiving the spirit by the works of the law. No, but by believing, you know, why are you so foolish as to think this? Have you experienced all of this in vain? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the law or by believing, et cetera, et cetera. It's great stuff. Um, and I believe it's um, good to read it in preparation for the verses we are going to talk about now um, from 7 to 14, just as a good pretext. So um, the verses here in verses uh, 7 through 14, go back to the story of Abraham and those who have faith are children of Abraham because having faith is essentially believing without it being proved to you. And um, that's what Abraham did. God called him and he believed. He didn't have to, he didn't have, to have uh, God kind of lay it out or, or provide any proof to him that it was all going to be okay. He just believed. And then God later went on to say to Abraham, because of that belief, all nations will be blessed through you. And um, Paul describes this as God proclaiming that he was going to justify the Gentiles by faith, by announcing it this way, all nations will be blessed to you. And he's writing this letter, of course, to essentially Gentiles uh, in Galatia. Galatia was uh, a Gentile nation. It was not really um, Jewish uh, in its history at all. Uh, but then he really hits stride in verse 10 by saying, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And he cites for his proof, verse right out of Deuteron Deuteronomy, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. And that is, um, as written, it might be sort of like thought of as a warning, but by this time in, in, in Paul's experience and everyone's experiences, no one can do everything written in the book of the law. And especially can't do everything written in the book of the law all the time, 24-7. And so the logical extension of that is everyone is cursed by relying on the law. So um, instead... Paul says, um, let's go back to Abraham and his covenant, which predates the law, as he says a little bit later in this chapter, right after these verses, in fact, um, that the, the, uh, the law was introduced 400 and something years after um, this covenant with Abraham, and this covenant precedes it. And so the covenant of righteousness by faith is the older and the, and the first covenant of of them. And uh, he uses this then to basically say, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. And, and ends up with, you know, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Um, and the curse that he became for us was to be cursed with all of our sin. And so he's making this strong case here that um, in terms of like, not just who's saved, but who God is choosing to literally be um, 
the chosen people, it's not about the works and it's not about how good you are. Um, and he takes the, the example all the way to the end that you can't be saved by these works. So, you know, why would you be elected by these works? So kind of going back to that whole point of predestination, election, missions, I'm going to um, throw out a theory here, which, you know, might might get me in hot water. I don't think so. I can't swear that this is absolutely doctrinally sound, but it's kind of the way I've always thought of it. And I, I probably at this point should just maybe make a petition to Peter to provide me with some boilerplate uh, language I can read up front for, um, you know, potential heresy warnings. I just maybe I should read that at the beginning of every every podcast they do. But I don't think it's outright heresy, but uh, you can be the judge. But my, my thought is that election and salvation are not the same thing. I do know that there are some verses that might lead to that, but I also think there's a lot of verses that don't say that. And, and here's my reasoning. Um, God desires all to come to, to salvation, which means um, that, you know, if he's choosing, then it can't be that he chooses without choosing all, because then you're not choosing. And so I have to think that election is something different than salvation. And I think about it's an election year, and what does it mean to elect our leaders and so forth? And that really comes down to choosing between choices of who is going to get the job done. And um, regardless of how well you think that that actually works out in practice for us here uh, in America in the 21st century, the reality is is that the, the idea of election means choosing between alternatives that which you think is going to work the best. And so, like, you know, when we think about the passage that Hannah talked about where, you know, God elected jo- Jacob uh, over Esau, and uh, I thought Hannah did a great job of explaining that whole thing. And it's not really personal about Jacob and Esau, but more about the outcomes. And I think what that election really means in that case is that he elected Jacob, not because Jacob was a better person or more worthy or um, that he knew his heart or that Jacob would done better works. None of that. None of that happens because Jacob wasn't even born yet when it happens. It's purely about what is going to give me the outcome I am looking for. And in this case, incomprehensible as it might be to us, the choice is Jacob or Esau. There can really only be one that could become the father of Israel. You can't pick them both. Uh, That doesn't really work. So which one? And God elected Jacob because that was the better choice for the outcome that he was seeking, which was the path of of salvation for all people through um, Christ's coming. Uh, doesn't mean it was perfect. It just means that that was the best option over Esau. Had he chosen Esau instead, Esau, who, as Hannah again said, I thought was, was rightly made, more deserving, at least, by the arbitrary um, law of the day that firstborn gets to, to gets to inherit. And why would that be? Why would that be better? 
It was instead uh, what is going to be the outcome that God desires. And so that's where I really think election, predestination, and other things come from is is there's choices God has has laid out. And I, I do believe there's free will in accepting those choices. And there's probably episodes in which God made elections for things to happen and people turned those down. But history of the church and and the progress of the of the gospel through the world is a is a record of those who were called and elected to carry it forward who said yes and who did so however imperfectly and, and so i think um to me this is this is the middle path through the predestination versus free will and the election versus God wants everyone to be saved, conundrum, which is God does want everyone to be saved. God has made a way for everyone to be saved. God calls some to uh, a path of mission work, as Peter said, Um, and he doesn't call necessarily everyone to it, uh, but the calls he makes are um, to accomplish his will. And that, that kind of call and that kind of election is always a choice between, a finite choice between alternatives. You can't pick everyone to be Apostle Paul. You can't pick everyone to be the 12 disciples. Somebody had to be picked and others had to be left out. And God made those choices based upon his omnipotent knowledge of what his plan uh, was going to be and how it was going to work out. So at any rate, um, take from that what you will. But um, it's clear from these passages in Galatians that it is not works of the law that do this. It's not works of the law that save us. And we should not rely on those works of the law to to set us apart or make us special or, or make us feel like we're deserving. All right, let's say a prayer. Lord, we thank you that um, you do have mercy on us and you have your grace, that you have chosen to pour that out upon us. Uh, We thank you for the path of grace and mercy that you have given us, which we do not deserve, and that you do not give us only the path of the law, which none of us could follow. Uh, Thank you for these books of Romans, challenging as they are, because they challenge us to think. I ask that you uh, bless the rest of our study and the rest of our passage through the book of Romans uh, and fill us with knowledge of your true plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.